Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, we're going to schedule a time in a couple weeks where we can share about our trip, and we'll let you know about that. We're going to start a new series called What Happy Couples Know. And take note of the title, Nothing. That's going to come up later. And uh, <clears throat> before we do that, I would do want to talk about a couple other things. Uh, who helped with the Odyssey race? We could go Friday. Put your hand up. Well, not too many in this service. Well, I'm going to read you something that one of the racers sent, an uh, um, email. It said, wow, I had a great ple- pleasure of participating this past weekend in America's Odyssey Relay event. And I want you to know that absolute highlight was without question Smithsburg Valley Church Transition Point. As a racer, you must know that no other location throughout the 200 miles journey embraces our crazy band of running zealots like yours. No other even comes close. At best, we were tolerated. At Smithsburg Valley Church, we were embraced. More importantly than than my experience as a racer, I want you to know as a Christian, your unconditional and limitless love for us, the strange, dirty, wacky people flowing through your beautiful church, nearly brought me to tears. What better display of Christ-like love than the Smithsburg Valley Church community opening its doors, serving us food, greeting us with hugs, showering us with smiles, support, and encouragement. All for no other reason than you're a follower of Christ, and this is how he calls us to live and love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless each and every one of you, for he has so clearly blessed Smithsburg Valley Church. Yours in Christ, Steve. So thank you all for representing our church. Yeah, absolutely. I was a few thousand miles away, otherwise I would have helped. Uh, But anyway, uh, another thing we mentioned last week, Pastor Clint did, thank you for filling in. Uh, We set a goal of of reaching at least, I think this is a small goal, should be more than that, uh, reaching at least 15 new people, uh, have them step across that line into saving faith, Jesus Christ, in the next eight months. So that's basically two a month. And so, need your help with that, you need to just share your faith, invite people to church, and and. Always ask about goals. Is this a goal that would honor God? So do you think a goal honors God? I think it does. And so we're going to embrace that goal and see what God, God does. So thank you. All right. So <clears throat> what happy couples know. Now, I know a lot of you aren't in a relationship right now. And so don't stay home for the next three weeks. Uh, these principles, relationship principles, work in all relationships for the most part. Uh, we're going to apply it to marriage in the next four weeks or committed relationships. But the principles are good. So please, uh, invite. in fact, invite other people. This is an area where our country is really suffering. Couples are having a hard time. And this stuff could really be helpful to, to a bunch of people. Now, men and women relate to relationships or think about relationships differently. Women are kind of like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the relationship. And they buy books about relationships, and they sign us up to go to conferences about relationships. Guys, on the other hand, are more, a little bit more like this. We don't want to work on it. We just want it to work. Now, for you ladies to understand this, let's think about cars. And again, these are stereotypes. But most of you, you gals just are happy when your car is running, and if no lights are flashing, you're good. Guys, on the other hand, we'd lift up the hood. we look under there. We're doing checking fluid levels and all this kind of stuff. And you're thinking, why are you doing that? Well, it's kind of preventive medicine, maintenance, right? And so guys, listen. When your gal, 
invites you to something or wants you to read a book or come to this series, you need to do preventive medicine. You need to say, yes, I, we need to talk about it, okay? So with that caveat, let's get started. All of us face life, but our relationships with hopes, dreams, and desires. This is natural. This is normal. This is what we should do. Next slide. Um, so we have hopes, uh, how our life is going to go. We have dreams about what we're going to do and where we're going to live and what kind of job we're going to have. And we got desires. <clears throat> and so we're going to kind of some some visual aids this morning. So, for example, now, if you're not in a relationship, you're your, your basket, your box is probably a little vague, you, you know. You may have some of these worked out. If you're in a committed relationship, especially if you're married, you need to know what your partner hopes, dreams, and desires are. It's really, really important. So, for example, uh, one of my hopes, dreams, and desires was build our own house. And, shoo, 11 years, been in that house 11 years now. Uh, we got, I got to do that. I don't know if it's my wife's hope or dream. I, I think it became one. But it was mine for all my life. So you may have a goal about building a house, buying a house. Maybe you want to rent all the rest of your life. So you have hopes and dreams about where you're going to, where you're going to live. Um, another thing you have hopes and dreams about is cleaning. Now, I don't use this thing. I don't even know what you, what you do with it. <laughs> my wife put this in here. Anyway, <laughs> um, in our house, she does most of the cleaning. And she likes to have a clean house. That's one of her hopes and dreams. And desires to have a clean house, and so she works at that, and I'm glad she does, so I get to live there, right? On the other hand, if something breaks in the house, guess what? She does not fix it. I don't know if she knows how to even use one of these things, all right? So, uh, her hope and dream is when things break, then I'll fix it. Like, my hope and dream is when the house is dirty, she'll clean it, all right? Now, again, these are stereo, your, yours could be different, but these are our hopes, dreams, and desires. Um, one thing I always laugh about is when I do premarital counseling is I ask the couples how many kids they want to have. And if I don't get the same answer all the time, and I got to one couple, they hadn't talked about it. Can you imagine? So how many kids do you want to have? Do you want to have kids? Some couples don't even want to have kids these days. How many kids do you want to have? Maybe you want to keep having kids so you have a boy. My, uh, <clears throat> my wife's family, her grandfather kept trying. He got eight girls. Never did get a boy. So, um, I think most of you have heard me say this. When I took my wife out on our first date, I don't know how it came up, but it did. How many kids do you want to have? She told me 12. And I actually took her out on a second date, right? Yeah. She told me 12. All right. So, that hopes, dreams, and desires about kids, having kids, not having kids. <clears throat> what about travel? Where do you want to travel? Some of you probably, and the United States is fine. It's not to see here. I never need to go outside the country. Uh, for others of us, I, actually, we just got back, obviously, from Israel. And we've been to France, and we lived in Portugal. So we needed one of these things. It's called a passport. So you have, may have hopes and dreams to travel the globe, visit all kinds of places. Or you may, you may you know, want to, we haven't been there yet, Niagara Falls. Want to get there one of these days. It's on my bucket list. Uh, so, we all have hopes, dreams, and desires about travel. Where are we going to vacation? How often? Who are we going to take with us on vacation? Or is this going to be us? Uh, <clears throat> Another th biggie is what? It's scheduling, right? Calendaring. Whose family are we going to spend uh, vacation with? Uh, or holidays with? Are you going to my family, your family? We first got married, my wife's 
parents were divorced, we had three homes to go to on Thanksgiving. Uh, some families, you know, swap back every other week, uh, every other holiday. Um, we're we going to spend all our time together. <laughs> That's kind of a funny one, too. Oh, yeah, we're going to spend all our time together. No, you're not going to spend all your time. You don't want to spend all your time together. We all need our, our alone time, right? So what about our time? What about our calendar? What our schedule? We got hopes, dreams, and desires. Maybe retirement. What age do you want to retire? These are all part of that. What do you drive? When you're young and when you're single, you can drive something like this. Three or four kids, they won't fit, right? Not especially with all their stuff. So you've got to trade this in for a minivan or an SUV. Uh, maybe you can keep your sports car. Maybe not. Of course, a big one for everybody is money. Money. We're both going to work. One of us is going to be work. One of us is going to stay home. Stay home dad, maybe. Uh, we're gonna sa- how much money are we going to save? Uh, we're going to live on a budget. Budget sounds like allowance. I don't like budgets. Allowance, no, budget. What are our hopes, dreams, and desires about money? My wife ta- tells me this this way. What's mine is mine and what's hers is uh, my, uh, m- me is hers. Doesn't seem quite equitable, but that's the way she tells me. Uh, money's a biggie. And of course, guys, you hope your spouse doesn't come to bed in something like this, something a little more attractive, and she's thinking, oh, he shouldn't care what I come to bed in, as long as I'm comfortable, right? <laughs> so, we have hopes, dreams, and desires. A couple other things come up, come uh, into play here are, how do we handle conflict? I come from a family of yellers. Uh, my wife calls it yelling. We just raised our voice, but they call it yelling, right? <clears throat> Just get it out, and we yell, and 10 minutes later, we're all fine. My wife's family, no, 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 you never raised your voice in her family. And so immediately when I raise my voice, guess what? That's a no-no. That's a problem. It's, it disrupts our conflict resolution. And part of that is how are we going to treat each other? Important, right? We're going to treat each other with respect or not. So we have all kinds of hopes and dreams and desires. We could talk about this all morning. <clears throat> now, where do these come from? Well, two basic places. One, what you've seen and heard. Ah, they seem to be happily married. I think we need to do what they do. They, you know, they have a date night every week. We need to start having a date night. Uh, uh, something we've read, something we heard. We go to a conference. Say, that sounds like a good idea. I think we need to implement that in a relationship. The biggest place we get these hopes, dreams, and desires is what we've experienced from our lives, from our family we grew up in, and our siblings' families, and our aunts and uncles, and all this stuff. Uh, We get these hopes, dreams, and desires. Now, both positive and negative. Now, this can be really emotional, of course. But we either want to recreate the good stuff, or we want to avoid the bad stuff. So, you know, depending on your parents' Your parents' parenting skills, you may say, well, I'm going to parent like them, or no, 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 I'm not going to parent like them. I'm going to parent a different way. How your parents related to one another. Um, so you either want to recreate the good stuff, or you want to avoid the bad stuff. Now, the one problem with this whole my hopes, dreams, and desires is they are my hopes, dreams, and desires. And in my case, my wife's hopes, dreams, and desires are what? Her hopes, dreams, and desires. And nobody has two identical boxes, do they? 
Now what happens in a relationship, always happens, is when we get committed to that relationship, I take my box of hopes, dreams, and desires and give them to my wife. Because that's part of the whole marriage deal, right? The reason I'm marrying you is so you will help me fulfill my hopes, dreams, and desires. And she hands me hers. Now, there's a real problem with that because once they hand you their box, they're no longer their hopes, dreams, and desires. They are what? Expectations. I expect you to keep the house clean. I expect you to fix things when they break. I expect you to take me on vacation. I expect you to etc., etc., etc. So expectations are the strong belief that something will happen or that it will be the case in the future. Now, it took us, you know, 30 years to get our dream house, but it eventually happened. That was one of my hopes, dreams, and desires. So, in our expectations, we are attempting to recreate, or again, avoid something from the past. And when we do that, it transforms these hopes, dreams, and desires into expectations. And again, my expectation and my spouse's expectation are different. And so we're going to use the word they collide. Because you can't live in the city and in the suburbs or the country. You can't buy and rent both. You can't, you know, save money and spend all your money. So they collide, right? So when these eyes collide, there's certain four or five things that you and I can do. First one is we can leave. That's not what I signed up for. That doesn't sound like fun. I thought this life would be fun. And so, no, I'm out of here. And what I do is I take my box with me, and what do I do? I hand it to the person in my next relationship. So we leave. Another thing we do is we win. We say, okay, in our case, I'm seven years older than my wife. I graduated my second college degree when she graduated from high school. I'm kind of from the city. She's from the country. And so consequently, I was able to, and she let me because I was older and supposedly wiser, uh, dominate the relationship, right? Uh, She would do what I wanted to do. Now, let me talk to you about how not to do relationships, how to have a dysfunctional relationship. And it fits under this winning thing. Uh, first, I'm trying to convince the other person that my way is better, my way is right. Look at your, her parents were divorced. My parents didn't divorce. Uh, they had a rocky marriage, but at least they stayed together. So my model is better than your model. You know, I've been to college, you, you haven't. So I know better than you do. So I can try and talk the other person into my point of view. Convince them. <clears throat> now, isn't it your goal to be like somebody else? That makes, makes you happy, right? No, of course not. God's made us all unique, and it isn't healthy. It's dysfunctional to try and be like somebody else wants us to be. Push it a little bit farther. You can try and make the convict, bring about conviction. Bring, make them feel guilty. Better way to say it. Make them feel guilty. You know, all good wives do this, and you're not doing it. And all good husbands do this, and you don't do it. And so try and make them feel guilty so you can... Try and get what you want. Another step further is control. And a lot of ways this is done in relationships is through money. So one person has control of the money. And you get the other to do what they want. 
by giving them money or not giving them money. Um, and then, of course, taking it to the most extreme is to is coerce that person, to force that person to do what you want. <clears throat> now, let me just say, in the win scenario, one of the, one of the people is happy, right? <laughs> they're getting their hopes, dreams, and desires, and so they're happy, but the, obviously the other one isn't. Another thing you can do is this. We can conform. That's the flip side of win. Okay, if that's the way the kind of man my wife wants, then I'll be that kind of man. Just, just you know, do what she wants me to do. Uh, again, but if that's not you, what happens is you can only do that so long, and what happens in that kind of relationship is you lose respect for the other person because the person's not respecting you, not accepting you for who you are, right? And so you're losing respect. So obviously these aren't good options, and probably many of us have experienced maybe all of these. Uh, the next one is kind of one that we might say, hey, that's, that's probably a good option. And that's we compromise. We compromise. You get some of what you want, I get some of what I want. Probably not really happy, uh, but you're not really sad. And some people just kind of push through their whole marriage. And maybe your parents did that. My parents kind of did that. And I always tell couples in, in, in premarital counseling is this. This is the 50-50 model, and that's a horrible model for a relationship. Because my, you know, I'm 50% in, you're 50% in, it makes 100, right? But my 50% is always different than your 50%. There's always this other space. And so I'm always judging you, are you doing your 50%? And of course, most of the time I'm thinking, no, you, you, you're, you're slacking somewhere, and vice versa. And this produces low trust. Now, the problem with low trust is low trust produces low intimacy, and what people are really after is intimacy, connecting with another individual. And so it drives me crazy when I watch a movie or TV show and a couple on the first date wind up in bed together. You can have no trust level to somebody you've known three hours, can you? Now, you can have sex, but you can't have intimacy. And intimacy, again, intimacy is what people are desiring, what they're striving for. So in this compromise model, it can work. You can get through but it's not ideal. Maybe you've heard this expression. I'm committed to my marriage. That sounds good, doesn't it? It's better than being not committed to your marriage. But there's some problems with this. Are you committed to an institution? Now, I hope my wife is committed to me. Not just marriage. She could be married to anybody. The other problem with this is all about who? It's all about me. I'm committed to my marriage. So the bottom line is this. When eyes collide, we lose. The relationship loses. We suffer. And again, this could be parent-child relationships. It can be other kind of relationships too. Let me pursue this a little bit, little bit more. <clears throat> Expectations create a debt debtor relationship. And somebody was talking to me about this uh, between the services. So, my expectation is you're going to have dinner on the table when I get home from work. <clears throat> you have dinner on the table when I get home from work. What are we? We're just even, right? You've done what I've expected you to do. You expected me to go to work and work eight hours and get a paycheck. When I bring that paycheck home, I've fulfilled my debt to you. Now, is there any, what's the word I want, gratitude 
When you pay your light, electric bill or whatever, does, does the electric company or the bank say, oh, I'm so grateful that you paid your bill? See, when there's a debt, there is no celebration, there is no uh, thankfulness when the debt is paid. So, whatever we do, when you build the house, well, that was my expectation. Glad we got our house. We say it this way. That is what you're supposed to do. Guys are supposed to fix the car, cut the grass. Ladies are supposed to, again, whatever your model is. They don't have to be the same. Uh, you're supposed to do that. So when you do it, I'm not grateful because you're supposed to do it, right? Another way of saying it is this. We rarely express gratitude for what we come to expect. It's kind of insidious, isn't it? It's really subtle. Now, you have to have roles in marriage. Don't misunderstand me. <laughs> you can't say, okay, let's flip a coin and see who's going to fix dinner tonight. Maybe it works. I don't know. Flip coin, who's going who's to cut the grass or who's going to do the laundry or whatever. So you have to have roles. It's the only way it kind of makes sense. But say I, 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 I come home and my wife has dinner on the table. My response should be, wow, I didn't expect that. Well, wait a minute, I've been doing this for 42 years, you didn't expect it? Because when we expect it, there's no gratitude. It's what you're supposed to do. Another way of saying is this, owe me eliminates love me. I don't love the bank or the electric company when I pay their bill, right? They don't love me. They're glad I paid them, I'm sure. Same thing in relationships. My wife owes me a dinner. I, there's no love involved in that. Now, some of you know the love language thing. My love language is not gifts, so that kind of feeds into this partially. But <clears throat> if my wife gives me a gift on my birthday, it's my birthday. You're supposed to get gifts on your birthday, right? Same thing with Christmas. Often we don't buy each other stuff either one of those times <laughs> because it doesn't express love when it's expected. Or it's owed to you. Only thing, expectations remove the margin necessary for love to be recognized and appreciated. There's no margin. So you're doing what you're supposed to do. You owe me this. Um, and the funny thing is, there's always more expected. So if my wife fixes me dinner, I expect her to fix me dinner the next night. If I go out and cut the grass, she expects me to cut the grass the next time it needs to be cut. So, is there something better than compromise, which seems the best in this list? So, it's important to answer a couple questions here. First question is this. What should I do with my box? What should I do with my hopes, dreams, and desires if I don't want to hand them to my spouse? If I don't want to make them expectations? Do I just deny them? Pretend they don't exist? In fact, most of the stuff in there is good, right? It's good to have a place to live. It's good to function in a relationship. It's good to raise kids. It's good to have a calendar. It's good to take care of your money. So the answer is, take it back. Take it back. Now, when I take it back, there's another big question, right? 
And the answer is going to bother you because it bothers me. What do they owe me? What does my wife owe me? Really, what does my wife owe me? You remember, what was the title? Nothing. My wife owes me nothing. So anything she does for me is a gift. That I should respond with grace and gratitude and appreciation. Now, this kind of doesn't make sense, does it? But we all know happy couples, and we look at them and we think, that doesn't really make sense. Some of them have very little, you know, financially or material, and they're happy. Some have children, some don't have any children. Um, It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? But happy couples know this. They know that they owe each other everything, but are not owed anything in return. Let me say that again. It's a little tricky. I owe everything to my wife, but I are not owed anything back from her. Now, we can kind of connect this with what Jesus said, and we studied this a lot in the last series. He gave us the basic foundation of life, the thing that you and I can always focus on if we don't know what to focus on. He called it, uh, we call it the great commandment. And it's in John 15. Last, last hours with his disciples, he said, okay, guys, taught you a lot, but make sure you get this. Love each other the same way I've loved you. The same way that I loved you. Now, Paul later on expounds on things that Jesus said. So over in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at later part next week. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this about love. Therefore, imitate God in everything you do, because you're dear children. Live a life filled with love. So is your life filled with love? Is your relationship filled with love? Following example of Christ. Christ always lived that way, right? Full of love. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Now, what did, what did that look like? The message paraphrase puts, puts a little, uh, little, some other phraseology with it. Next slide. Watch what God does and then do it. You do it like parent, children who learn proper behavior from their parents. You and I learn how to act from our parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. So I, you know, I spend a lot of time with my wife. I've learned things from her. One of them is to be more loving. Observe how Christ loved us. Hmm, how did he love us? His love was not cautious, but extravagant. And here it is. He did not love in order to get something from us. There was no expectation of return. There was no debt-debtor relationship. But to give everything of himself to us, love like that. So gave it all, expecting nothing in return. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus went to the cross and died for you and I, died for our sin, with no expectation. And he would have done it if no one accepted that gift. Because that's what love does. A term I've used before, I like this term. It becomes a submission competition. And those of us that are competitive, this is kind of cool. So I'm going to out-submit my, in my case, my wife. I'm going to race to the end of the line. 
No, let's do what you want. No, we're going to do what you want. No, let's do what you want. So that's where we're going to go next week. Hopefully you can join us. Invite somebody, bring somebody. But homework, got to have homework in this series. Especially guys, got to work on it, right? First and foremost, you've got to figure out what's in your box. Actually write it down. This is my hope, dream, desires about these things we talked about. About where we live and what kind of job and finances and how we're going to treat each other and et cetera, et cetera. And then, once you've figured out your list, analyze your relationships and say, am I expecting somebody else to carry this for me? Am I expecting somebody else to do this for me, fulfill this for me? And if so, you and I need to put our hopes, dreams, desires back in our box and take it back. And consequently, what we need to do is to apologize to that other person that we put that pressure on them, put those expectations on them. And then after that, we, are, we should ask them, how can I help you? Okay, got your homework? Figure out what's in your back. If you're expecting, and we all have done this, we, there's somebody else to carry it for us, apologize and ask how you can help. All right, we're running out of time. Let's pray, and, and uh, next week we'll continue this. Thank you, God. We thank you for this principle that Jesus so beautifully demonstrated that he loved without expecting a return. It's so hard for us, God, for us to do this. So we need, to, we need your help because this is, it just seems backwards. It seems counterintuitive. You know, how am I going to be happy? But this is the root of true happiness. It's the true root of successful, happy relationships. And God is especially difficult when one's in and the other isn't. But I think these principles even hold true then. So help us, God, as we do this homework that we truly will figure out what's in our box. And if we've given it to someone, we'll take it back and apologize. And we need your help for that. For anyone who's not a Jesus follower, we invite you to step across that line, accept God's gift. Again, he doesn't expect this, but our gratitude and appreciation is to accept it and to, to worship him, give him our life. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.